How are you? Not bad. How about yourself? I feel like shit. <laughs> it's that time of year, man. I've spent the last three days pretty much on the toilet. Oh man, I have I I having a thirteen month old. I went and got a flu shot this year. Did you? I haven't got. See, I have three kids and we never get flu shots. I don't know. It seems like it's. I mean, not that we have to talk about the flu the whole time, but it just seems like flawed logic to me. There's so many different strands of the flu, and they're only inoculating you against one of them. Right. Just like, but there's. Oh, whatever. There's yeah. at least we don't. I don't have Ebola, so. All yeah, right. <laughs> Although I did just do a bunch of traveling. That was fun. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, if at any given point in this, I have to uh, hang up and call you back because I have to run to the toilet, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know. I'm feeling. Cool. I'm feeling a little bit better. Cool, cool. Man, I haven't used Skype in. Uh, we when we first started doing the podcast, we used Skype and. Um, I don't know what happened. I had to create a whole new Skype account because it just wouldn't connect to me. So what do you use now? Uh, we were we were using uh, Google Hangouts. How does that work? Uh, pretty much the same as Skype. It just we had stopped using Skype after probably the fourth or fifth episode because it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't that reliable. It started dropping out a lot. Mm. I don't. I, it may have been because like one of us was in Canada and one of us was in back east, and one and we were all over the place when we first started doing it. I've only really had problems with it talking to people in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah, hmm. like it's like every, I actually now that I think about it, I have two New York interviews set up, and I'm like, well, maybe we should have a, like a backup plan or something. Yeah, go, from then on out, we started using Google Hangouts, and Google Hangouts does. Uh, when you have more than just like two people, you got three or four, or sometimes five people. It uh, Google Hangout does the video uh, stream pretty pretty solid too. So that's cool. We're able to do that, and uh, it keeps people from interrupting each other. <laughs> 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 because man, when I first started doing podcast stuff, like I don't know, when that was eleven years ago or so, it was like everybody was in the same room. Now everybody's moved away, and having wait, you've been doing this podcast for eleven years. Not this one. I started podcasting. Oh, really? <clears throat> yeah. Who was podcasting eleven? Was, like that, me? That can't, be, <laughs> that can't be right. When was yeah? Pod, no fucking way. When was, I'm yeah. googling when podcasts were invented. Yeah, uh, we we had a podcast called ATM, and that was in like 2000 and no, I guess it was it was 10 years ago. It was 2004. Yeah, I was gonna say the according to Wikipedia, it started in 2004. Yeah, so that's... Or at least that's when the term came up. Yep. That, that's audio what's... blogging. Was what yeah, it was audio blogging. There you go. Because I heard about... I was in... Uh, I graduated from film school in 2004, and okay. that was when everybody was like, oh, this podcasting thing. So we started a podcast in... Uh... In 2000, oh, 2004 was a rough year for me, but uh, yeah. I, was, that your, was that your 26? 27. Uh Something always happens on 27. For me, it, it was... 27? Yeah. Like, that's the rock star death age. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hendrix, Morrison, Joplin, Cobain, all 27. Uh, but, yeah, for me, it was my second kid was born, and I broke up my band. <laughs> yeah. Not a good year. It was good and bad. Yeah. It was, it was eventful. <clears throat> but. Yeah, twenty seventh was a rough year for me too. Actually, there's always something. I, I swear to God, always. it's always it's always that year. I mean, thirty three is supposed to be another one. Oh uh, well, thirty three was when my son was born. So there you go. I, that counts. I passed that one. Yeah, that, that was actually a good one. Well, mm, nah, depends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say so, it was a good year. I just said it was an, <laughs> it was an eventful. One. It was an eventful year. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one way of putting it. Anyway. <laughs> He, to to get this out of the way up front, I'm a, I've been a huge fan for. I grew up listening to Get Up Kids. Oh, thanks. well, we're not actually we're not very far apart in age. I don't think. How old are you? I'll be 35. Yeah, I'm 37. <clears throat> yeah, so you get, you got a couple years on me, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just to get that out of the way up front, like huge fan of Get Up Kids, huge fan of your solo stuff and of New Amsterdam's. Well, oh, thank you. Um, so. Essentially, what I want to talk about is, like we kind of talked over chat, is the whole songwriting process. Okay. Um, and 
I just love to get other musicians kind of input on because I've noticed it's it's the most eclectic thing in the world because everybody does it so differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> we started doing this podcast, and it's mostly I don't know if you went back and like looked at any of the episodes, but mostly about video games and stuff. Because yeah, I, my, I, I didn't get a chance. I I intended to, and then I've been sick. <laughs> so, yeah, if if you're not like I'm not if bringing you're not my, into the, I'm not the, the tech, <laughs> it probably well, would grab. I'm not, it. I'm not a gamer. My I'm having to come to terms with my my old. Well, I guess both my sons are total. My my oldest son is a total gamer, and like he's ten, and it's just like, and I never have been. I've never liked video games except when I was like a little kid, and then some trying. I'm just trying to connect, and I just don't know what the <laughs> fuck he's talking about. <laughs> Like yeah, he's I'm, he's spouting off like the history of like Nintendo and you know like the the wars between Nintendo and Sega and like it's like what the fuck are you even talking about? <laughs> that's awesome. See, that's what I'm waiting for my kid. I've got years to go. Well, I'm I'm embracing it. I mean, I I my parents tried to put me in a in a convenient box and it didn't work out. So I certainly won't do that to him. Yeah. I just if I hear another fucking thing about Minecraft, I'm gonna blow my brains out. That was my question to you. Since he's ten years old, I'm assuming it's Minecraft. Minecraft and Roblox. Uh, and yeah. then uh you know, and then your standard. We don't we kinda have vetoed the whole uh first person shooter sort of thing. Kinda mm-hmm. figure he can do that in his teens if he wants. Right. But just kinda like I don't know. We have this thing that we don't want to do that. It can be like violent, but not like humans killing humans. Like shoot zombies if you have to. Right, right. Because that's what you would do. And then we have a thing about uh, like when they're watching YouTube clips and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's like well, there's no blood in it, but they swear a lot. And it's like, well, do they swear more than Papa does? <laughs> so that's the <laughs> that's the barometer. Right. Yeah. I with with the band with my band. It's uh. We have this. Are you familiar with IGN, the website? Mm-mm. So it's like the world's largest gaming website, and over the years they've kind of turned okay. to like media and stuff as well. And they're not very far from us, where we're located in California. And um, we've we've got this like uh, very cool, strange relationship with them, where we've done a lot of stuff with them on their podcasts and stuff like that. Mm. And so the whole. The whole gaming world has like embraced us in this very weird way, and it's kind of weird and awesome, and uh, yeah. So I, that's. I, I mean, I think that's cool. I mean, it's just sort of like uh, different niches. You know what I mean? It is. It's. It was like a really weird, strange way into a certain kind of group. It's. It's super strange, um, but it's awesome, and so it's kind of yielded this uh, podcast that we do now. Where it's like, it's supposed to be about music and movies and games, and it ends up being like three of us bullshitting about video games for like an hour and a half. <laughs> so I wanted to get more into this this aspect of like I have this very particular way of writing music, and for years, well, yeah, cause, so for years, like I always thought maybe I write music weird, maybe not everybody else writes music the way I do, and so. You know, when we tour and we play and I talk to these other musicians and I find out like, oh, well, maybe I'm not that friggin' weird. So that's my question. I guess going all the way back with like Get Up Kids, when when the writing started happening with, with Get Up Kids, was it like a group thing? Did you guys write together or did you well, sit it, down and write music first? Or? It, there's, there's, there's phases of it. So, mm-hmm. like, the first record that we... First, like, EPs and our first record, Four Minute Mile, was all written collectively. Like, in a... I mean, as far as, like, working out the arrangements, like, it would just come to band practice and, hey, I've got a, I've got a riff or, you know, I've got a beat or something like that. And then we would just expand on it. And so it's interesting because when you go back and listen to those songs now, they don't follow, like, proper song structure at all. Like, right. it'll be like a minute and a half long instrumental intro and then the hook isn't until like the outro of the song you know <laughs> yeah and so sometimes playing it's just like god or like when people ask me to play those songs like on acoustic guitar it's like no they sound terrible because they're just yeah, like right i'm playing a lead for a minute and a half 
Um, but then after that, either Jim, the other singer in the band, or I, mo- but mostly me, would kind of come up with, if not a complete song, then pretty close, and uh, bring it to the band, and then we would flush it out, and then bring it to producer or yeah we have always worked with a producer yeah. and then it would you know change or not change from there and then right. our last record because we broke up for four years and then got back together and the last record we did we specifically went back to the original way mm-hmm. of just kind of jamming out in brian's bedroom and and kind of figuring it out but then we had to like s- structure it it was weird because we wrote like uh 12 songs and demoed them and then took a break and so during that period in like a week and during that period it was like i had to write lyrics and melodies for all of these songs all at once right and that was i didn't care for that (laughs) yeah so that's i guess that's where my hang-up is because that's i'm the guitar i'm a guitar player and vocalist and that's where my root is so we're working this is our third full length that we're working on now that we're starting to work on and this is the first time that I've ever approached, okay, usually I sit in my room by myself, I write some chord progressions, I come up with some melodies and some lyrics, and then I take this kind of acoustic singer-songwriter thing to the guys, and I'm like, all right, so this is what I'm thinking. And then we morph it into a band song, or they'll tell me, fuck that, it sucks. And so now we're at this kind of point where it's super strange and out of fresh in a way for me where I'm still coming up with, you know, chord progressions and, but I'm purposely not doing any vocal melody stuff or lyrics. We're working the songs out as a band. And now all of a sudden I find myself with like three or four songs that have no vocal melody, no lyrics. And I'm finding an incredibly hard time, like sitting down and going like, Oh shit. I find that you got to be able to like, at least, sing gibberish over it yeah and sometimes when you just sing gibberish you'll come up with like an accidental phrase and then it's just sort of like oh this song can be about this you know yeah which happens to me usually when i'm sitting in my bedroom writing over a chord progression but now i'm finding myself we've got this fantastic song that these guys have i can't take credit for the most of it because a lot of it's the guys in the band that have created this thing and now we're going on like a week of me sitting here going like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm going to, I got some stuff, man. I got some stuff. It's hard. I've done that a couple of times. I did a, a, a record, uh, kind of put a band together and called it La Sorda. Mm-hmm. And we, it was written very, well, it was written very collaboratively, primarily me and uh, this guy and one other guy. But it was interesting because it was like we recorded like the whole record, all the music for the record. Then we took a break for like six months and I would take my kids to the pool and I would sit in a pool chair and like listen to the songs and just write the kind of like think of the melody in my head and hum it and, you know, but I didn't want to look like a crazy person like singing. But by the time we got back to the studio, I had never uh, tried them. I never actually sang them. Like I just kind of. I just had to kind of wing it. I was like, I think this works. But just had them in your head, right? Yeah, but it's it that seems to me to take the most discipline. When yeah. you have uh, uh, songs finished or, you know, at least mostly finished and it's like, All right, go do your thing, lyric boy. You know, yeah. like <laughs> Dazzle us. Yeah. Right. That's what's it's so strange for me right now because and that's why I'm I'm trying to go to YouTube and, you know, watch, try and check out all these interviews of, of other singer-songwriters that and how they approach their craft. And so for me, this is totally out of the box and out of the... Maybe it'll come out great. Maybe it's going to be terrible. I don't know, but it's well, just... Well, it's just kind of... It's, it, it, I think it, it'll, if nothing else, it'll be uh, an, a palate cleanser. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for you, sure. That's what I find... Uh, because when I write, I'm not a like multi-instrumentalist at all, but I find like it's very easy for me to like just write a song, write a melody, play it on acoustic guitar, write the words. And it's like, okay, that's good. I can do that. But yeah. if I want to make it like 
something that I would think would be great. What I do is I try to surround myself with people whose skills and instincts I trust, whether it's drummer, bass player, piano player, uh, or producer. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and so that's kind of what I'm working on now. I'm hoping to record a record in like January maybe, and so I'm trying to do that. Write, just write a song a day. Yeah. And then whittle them down. So I have like I have like six really great <laughs> one guitar, one vocal <laughs> songs. <laughs> and then you kind of do this like, well, man, fuck it, maybe I should just do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> but then it's like, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of limited audience as far as who's interested in that. Well, and that's where my my mindset is right now, going into because like before the last two records, uh, especially the first record of ours, is that way. I just sat down and I wrote all the songs by myself, pretty much. And then, like you're talking about, I went in, I had myself surrounded by other musicians who are far better than I am, and they were able to take the songs from these really cool singer songwriter things to these great full band songs. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if you do that, you, you're you're basically having different people having different skills, like you're you're all cogs in the same machine and like maybe you would build the foundation but it's like you know the the bass player who's really good at arranging you know strings or something like that like he's not going to be able to write the words or the melody to it you know what i mean like right so we just did that i did a show in january where there's this uh, small theater in an arts center down the street from my house and small, it's like 220 people. But so what we did is we got my band, which is the New Amsterdam's band. I just retired the name. Mm-hmm. But then it was with, so it's like upright bass, drums, electric guitar, piano, pedal steel, seven-piece string section, and four-piece horn section. Jesus. And so it's just something. It's, it I'm, I'll never do it again. But it uh uh it, it was something I always wanted to do. So right. And it, it my bass player, who's uh you know he's an orchestra dork, plays upright bass. He does he he wrote all the string parts and all the horn parts. And I just kind of go, all right, Eric, this is what I want to do. Make it happen. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, that's uh, we. I did the same thing on this. The last record, the one we released this year, "Bitter End," is I brought in. Uh, well, actually, the the guitar player who co-wrote a lot of the stuff with me was is a multi instrumentalist and plays those horn are, also. Those are good guys to have around. Holy shit, the guy was amazing. You know, it yeah. was like one song. It, me and him wrote the majority of the record just on two guitars <clears throat> with a lot of vocal harmonies. And once we got into the studio and started working with our producer, he sits down at this baby grand, this musician sits down at this baby grand and starts playing a, a couple of these songs that we had written, but on piano. And it was like, oh shit, man, that song, that song belongs on piano. Shit, that shouldn't be a guitar song. Then it should be a piano song. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing I know, he's got a horn and he's playing horn. I'm like, man, maybe this song, maybe we should just put horns on everything. So now there's like horns, <laughs> there's horns buried in all the tracks on the songs, and that's funny. And then you know he's we're no longer working with him, so it's like well, we're gonna play this live. Do we put the horns in? Do we get somebody to come in? So now we have somebody on on strings that is coming in and playing a lot of the horn parts on strings. So yeah, so super weird. Hmm. It's it's a it's this whole process for me has been refreshing but really stressful because i keep finding myself going well now there's song number four and there's song number five and i still don't have a great vocal melody and lyrics for song number one but i've got these six other acoustic songs that i wrote maybe we should use that Hmm. and it's i think it's uh part of it is to not get like too hung up on your excuse me burped not to get too hung up on like your you have to be your own editor to a certain degree and that can be really hard because you're like, no, there's just, I really like this one line. Yeah. And you're like, or, I don't know. It, a good part does not a great song make. You know what I mean? It right. all has to like come together. Exactly. So here's a question for you then. Aight. Music or melody first for you? For me, it's kind of me. Well, 
I guess melody, because like, uh, I mean, I, I'm always like, I'll just kind of, I'll dick around on guitar or piano, just in my spare time, which is less and less and less. But uh, <clears throat> and I'll kind of just sing gibberish over it. So I guess it's really the melody of the gibberish that I'm singing, mm -hmm. and then I'll do like a voice voice recording of it. And uh, kind of when it's time to like actually flush stuff out, go back to those voice recordings. Yeah, like that's exactly phone. what I do. I've got like probably far too many voice recordings to ever go through at this point. <laughs> but I find it super interesting. Some people I've run across that actually write vocal melody before they have any music. Mm -hmm. Which done, to me I, is like mind blowing. I've never I, done that. I've done that, but it's very rare and it's very accidental. Yeah. Well, that's what I would find. It would be somewhat accidental. Do you do you ever sit down and write like lyrics without having any music or melody in mind? Uh, I've tried not very often to do that kind of just write like that kind of free form, like just write whatever comes to mind for like thirty minutes. Mm -hmm. And I've once or twice I've done that, and like then I go back through it and kind of like underline passages passages that sounds so lofty <laughs> sentences right. and uh build a song around that as far but i never i mean i would have to like well and that's what i do for i've been doing this thing called downright yeah i was gonna ask you about that actually well that's what i do with that because i go through and i write the lyrics first because mm -hmm. uh, to be completely honest like there's not a ton that's like a whole different that's like the opposite of the way i usually write songs but the whole thing about that is like I don't like record the same song over and over again with different lyrics, but there's really only so much you can do when they ask for a one guitar, one vocal folk style song as right. far as like musicianship goes. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I do is I go through with their description and I write out the verse the verses and chorus, and uh, then I come up with a melody based on that. Right. So I don't know. That's it was like a it's like a totally different skill, but I think it's made me a better songwriter in the long run because now I can be like, okay, this is where we start. You know, as far as like, I don't know, getting the basic yeah. structure. Because <clears throat> I I have a tendency to, well, actually I ran into it was at actually I think it was in Reno at at your you and Chris Conley were doing an acoustic tour. Oh, at the satellite. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it was. It was a while ago. Yeah, it's the satellite. That's the only a few place years ago. There. That's the only place there is there or was. No longer, I guess. <clears throat> I don't know. You know what? I, uh, I remember about that is that we had. Let's see. How did that work? Because that was a twenty-one and over show, and it was me, Chris, my daughter, and my buddy Darren, who was quote unquote tour managing. And is that the one? Yeah, Dan somebody else opened. There was somebody that opened. Well, that was one of two shows where it was a 21 and over show, and it was just... Oh, that's right. Darren had to go home because his mother-in-law died. So uh, it was just me, Chris, and my daughter. And she was like... She was 2008, so she was six? No. Yeah, that's right. And was it that long ago? It wasn't that long. Yeah, no, yeah, it was. Yeah, it, was. it had yeah. to And uh, so that was one of two shows there in San Diego where they wouldn't let her in the club my kid, uh, even though she was with her dad. And so I had to, like, Chris would sit in the van with my daughter. I would go play, say thank you, come out, get in the van, and then he would go in and go and play. <laughs> and then he would come back out to the van, and I would go back in and settle and get paid. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, <clears throat> what I was going to say is I was talking to Chris at that show, and – he, I noticed that he he had this like notebook of just what seemed like lyric after lyric after lyric, and I kind of connected with that because I do the same. Well, now I use my phone, but I have this app that kind of tracks out all the lyrics and when I write them and everything. I just and use I, the notebook, like on my iPhone. I just use like uh, yeah. I was uh, I started using notebook and then I found. Um, what is the name of that? Uh, I got it on my phone here. It's called Songwriter. Did you have and, to pay um, for it? No, it was free. Okay. And um, I think that's it, I think that's horseshit. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so 
this app is really great. I discovered it. I started using it on my iPad, and then I realized that the iPhone version syncs with the iPad, and mm. uh, it keeps track of everything by date, and then you can file it off by you can you can file everything off into files into their own files, and then it also breaks up blocks, so you can go okay, this is a verse, so you select the verse block, and mm. it kind of breaks it all out for you if you, if you wanted to break it out that way. And then it also has a little voice recorder built into the app. So if you have an idea on melody when you're writing the words, you can record it and it attaches it to that, uh, that file. This sounds so I started, overly confusing. Yeah, it was at first. <laughs> and well, still, because it's a free confusing. app, it's like, eh, you know, it's like there probably right. is a paid version out there somewhere. And I'm, I'm the dummy using the free version that doesn't work well. But, uh, I mean, it works well. But I... Uh, in talking to him, I realized, like, I, th- I thought, man, maybe I'm this guy who, I, I have far more lyrics than I have actual songs. And then sometimes in my head, I think of those lyrics as songs, you know? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a hundred songs, man, in this notebook. Yeah, and no, then I realized, no, no, <laughs> no, it's just a hundred pages of words that have no meaning or melody to them yet. I mean, you, you, I mean, uh, you could buy a book of poetry and be like, hey, I've, look at all these songs I have. You know what right. I mean? Like, and it's like, no. I, I, always get, I feel stupid. Like my, my, my mother-in-law, she's like, you know, you really just write poems. And I'm like, fuck off. I do not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I do, actually. <laughs> that's essentially what they are. Yeah. I know. I just... Ugh. Well, for me, when there's no m- melody or, or music to it, like it's just words on a paper. No, and I, I know. If they happen to rhyme, then for me, it's just a poem or well, a sonnet what, or you something. Know, it's funny that you bring up Conley because I, I just talked to him like a week ago. And what he does is he'll go into his like home studio every day and he'll like write a whole song. He'll play drums on it. He'll play all the instruments on it. And he'll write like a whole song every day. Yeah, and, I listen I listened to that, that at cast actually. I think that's fucking bananas. <laughs> crazy to me. When I was listening to that and you guys were saying that uh, that Max does mm-hmm. like, has written like 100 songs in a day, I'm just like, oh, fuck. Well, but conversely, Jim, the other singer in the Get Up Kids, has written like, what, five or six songs in the whole span of the Get Up Kids collection? And they're like everybody's favorites. It's like <laughs> 10 minutes, Campfire Kansas. It's just like... I'm playing acoustic. Like, Play Campfire Kansas. Like, I don't sing that song, motherfuckers. <laughs> Jim writes one song a year, and all of a sudden, it's everybody's favorite. <laughs> well, maybe I don't feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just this, you know, a million ways to do it. Max right. is Max is an interesting beast, though, I, in and of himself. I gather that much. <laughs> well, and then hearing Conley say, like, oh, you know, I, I write no less than thirty songs for an album. I'm like, oh shit, man. I write like there's ten tracks on this album, and I write like ten tracks, maybe eleven. I usually just kind of go with the. Uh, I don't ever finish the ones that aren't gonna make it on the record. Like if I start something and just kind of go, eh, you know, like it never really. Right. Uh, yeah, I never understood. I, we did that for Ghetto Kids a couple times. Like on a wire, we wrote like thirty songs for. Mm-hmm. And everybody was bringing like all five guys were bringing like completed songs. Right. And and God, I don't even remember. That was such a f- clusterfuck that record. Which is my favorite record, Get Up Kids record. I I this is my take on it. Uh as a listener, not as a, a songwriter, is that like I don't think it's a great record from start to finish, but I think the songs on it that are good are some of the best songs we ever wrote. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like songs like Worst Idea or uh all that I know, I think are just total shit. And I think everybody else in the band would agree. <laughs> but, like, I think Hannah Hold On is, like, one of the best songs we ever wrote. Yeah. And, or I ever wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it was that, for me, On A Wire was that album that clearly, obviously, it was, like, a change in, in pace for you guys as well. But I was in a band at the time that was playing... Like, lagwagon sort of... SoCal pop punk. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right? And me, as a person, was starting to kind of grow out of that, and the band that I was in at the time wasn't. 
and I started listening to more stuff that was a little more, you know, you get older. I'm older than the guys that were in that band, and as you get older, your tastes start to change, and you start to listen to things where, you know, yourself 10 years ago would have been like, the fuck is wrong with you, man? Why aren't you listening to this? And uh, that, on a wire, just came at that time where it was like, all of us in the in the band were, you know, Get Up Kids fans, and when On a Wire came out, I remember putting it in my CD player, and listening to it and being like, this is this is the shit, man. This is what I this is what I want to start playing. And the other guys in the band were like, what the fuck, man? Where's the where's the old get up kids at? And I'm just like, come on, man. Well, that's that's exactly the reaction that it was like fifty fifty. You know, yeah. it was kind of like uh, you either got it or you didn't. I mean, everybody now says like, oh, I love that record, and it's like, yeah. Uh. Well, that's the thing. Twelve years ago, say. you were you were a dick about it, but um, right? Is this like the Pinkerton? Is it you know? Do you find now See, that thing, it's you know held with, in higher regard? You know what's weird with Pinkerton? I don't think it sounds that different from the Blue Record. I don't either. I I thought that was. A, I mean, I have my own issues with that band anyway. But like the, I was just like, I don't know what you're talking. What are you talking about? This is just like a better version of the first record, right? But whatever. Uh, yeah, but it it was very it was very polarizing. It was kind of like, uh, I mean, we went on tour that for that record, like kind of before it had really sunk in. So mm-hmm. it was like some of the biggest shows we had ever played, and but it was a lot of like people not on people either getting it or not getting it, and it was kind of right. like every review of that record was bad except one, and that was Rolling Stone, and they thought it was like the best record we had ever made, right? And, and I'm like. Well, we've got to be doing fucking something, right? You know what I mean? Like, but it, you know, it's, I, what I learned from that is that, I mean, okay, so I was getting into more singer songwriter kind of stuff, like Steve Earle and Tom Waits and Wilco and Sunvolt and the like. And like a, maybe a year and a half before everybody else in the band did. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started the new Amsterdam's because I wanted to have that outlet. And so I was like, oh, I'm good. We can just play punk rock in this band. And but they but then they were all kind of like no we want to do like more organic like Wilco was a big influence on that record and it was right excuse me I, I have to burp again I've been drinking a lot of soda water today to try and help uh, my stomach get the stomach going yeah it'll do it but uh, yeah it was just kind of like professionally we were kind of like well we've been going this far and everyone seems to agree with us. It's like, surely they'll all, we've just been going up and up and up. Surely everybody's on the same page that we are that, you know. Yeah, right. Summer Teeth is like the greatest record I've heard in a long time. And then they either did or they didn't. Right. But consequently, and like I've talked to Conley about this because he had the same thing. It's like. Yeah, and Reverie kind of had the same reaction. Way even worse. Like. Yeah. It sent him into a tailspin. I just, it just made me uh, angrier. Yeah, like yeah. It made me like I like you. I have a really thick skin because of that record, and it's just like right. uh, someone if someone is criticizing me, like not not like creative criticism, but like if someone's like, I get very like fuck you, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> like you can't yeah. you can't hurt me. I've read the review, like, you know, twelve years ago. I've read those reviews, and I had people tell me that. What happened? You know, and it's just yeah. So, but now I know professionally, like it's you can't make like a total. If you're having some any kind of success, you have to kind of spoon feed a change like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you can't just go from you know super like action and action into overdue. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just kind of like it's kind of like huh? Yeah, uh, I think we're about to find out here pretty soon. Take your <laughs> <laughs> take whatever song is on your f- new record that sounds the most like your old stuff and have that come out first. Right. Because we just did, like, even the label was like, don't do Overdue as a single first. And we're like, but it's the best song on the record. And like, yeah, but it's too weird. I'm like, but it's the best song on the record. And <laughs> it was just, it was too far. So how how much impact do you think that had on Guilt Show? Or did it have any impact? Guilt Show's my favorite Get Up Kids record. And it did have impact because it was like, okay, we 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 would go out and play all the On A Wire songs live and 
to be quite frankly, they, they weren't as much fun to play, a lot of them, because they're slower and we had always been like a high energy live band. And so going into Guilt Show, I was like, okay. Oh, and that was the other thing. When we started Guilt Show, I had decided I wanted to quit. Ah. They didn't They didn't know that. <clears throat> but I wanted Guilt Show to be like, I didn't want to quit after Wire because I didn't want it to be like, oh, they tried something new and it didn't work and so they bailed. Right. And so going into Guilt Show, I, I was... It's like a swan song. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I was... Op- going into Guilt Show, I was as hard on myself and on the guys as I was when we made something right home about where it was like I was at the studio I made like I would have fights like I I would actually fight for what I wanted in the song and uh, I didn't do that with Wire because I was sick of fighting and I didn't do that with our last record There Are Rules because again I just don't need that the Get Up Kids are like five type A personalities all put into one (laughs) <laughs> and we yell at each other and we get angry at each other and good stuff comes of it sometimes but Guilt Show very much was like I want to make well we all did it was like we want to make a rock record right. and our songwriting had gotten better we didn't want to be a punk rock band we never wanted to be a punk rock band to be completely honest we wanted but uh, I think Guilt Show is like the best of both of all the all the Get Up Kids stuff kind of put together, right? So it, it's my favorite. <clears throat> I still listen to it like uh, whenever the kids ask. That's 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 the one I'd put on, you know. Yeah. And like fuck, I put on four minute mile. I'm like, oh, the vocals are terrible. <laughs> I know that feeling. Songs are good, vocals are bad. I actually just picked up um, on a wire. I finally found it on vinyl. I don't know if they did they just reissue that. On vinyl, uh, or did I just happen to find it somewhere? They did like a year ago. Okay. I still have a couple of the picture discs. Really? Yeah. Well, we paid yeah. enough for that fucking artwork. We might as well put it on the disc, too. <laughs> so what, if you don't mind me asking, what is the current state of Get Up Kids? We just played a couple, we played at Riot Fest last month. Yeah, like, I remember that. Uh, And we're... Trying to figure out what we can do next. Next year is our twentieth anniversary, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to do something. The problem is, currently Jim's in school. He graduates in May, and Rob, the bass player, is in Spoon. And Spoon's schedule is crazy because they just put a new record out and it's doing well. Right. And he can't. I mean, that's his job. Job. You know what I mean? Right. Like he can't be like, "Hey guys, I gotta go fuck off," and it's like. Talking to your wife and being like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my ex-girlfriend. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah. You'll still be here when I get back, right? (laughs) And so we've had to do both with him because James also does Reggie and then he's – he was the touring keyword player for My Chemical Romance and now he's working with Gerard Way's solo thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, so there, there's been times when we've had to play shows without James and play shows without Rob. But for a twentieth, we don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Right. We want it to be Voltron. Have all yeah. <laughs> all the lions. But it's just so the scheduling is a fucking nightmare. That's basically I can only what imagine. it is. Yeah, I can it's only like, imagine. These shows would be great. Let's just play something at home about from front to back every night, and people would love it. And it's a twenty year anniversary. But it's like yeah, everybody's like yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. I don't know when I can do it. <laughs> Ah, that's the trick. So what about uh, new material? You guys have any, I don't, any plans on releasing anything? No. I don't know. Yeah, I... I no. <laughs> <laughs> just stay in focus. Cause to, to a certain now, degree, it's not... It's not... like We we've kind of tried that with rules, and it's like... What people want from Get Up Kids is to like have a nostalgia kind of... Right time right and i get that and we enjoy being around each other at those shows it's kind of like a high school okay so if you had like a college reunion Mm -hmm. you go back and you hang out with your buddies that you used to party with and you have a really great time and then you go home and you go back to your regular life Mm -hmm. you don't want to like start a business with those people you know where you're going to be like married to them for the rest of your life so we just try to 
But and when you're like putting out new records, you're kind of like, oh, we're a real band. And it's like we're right. not. We're not a real band. We're we're here to have fun, make some money, drink free beer, and go home. Yeah, which which makes sense for a band like Get Up Kids. Yeah. I would assume. It's, well, I've I, also found out that like people, I think people are more recept- more forgiving of me doing something different than of the Get Up Kids doing something different. Yeah, and I think that's probably, you know, part of the problem with being uh, a band that was that was so like highly influential or came out of such a highly influential like time era is that's I, you just kind of doomed with that association, I guess, of like you well, know, I, I, yeah, being something su- to write home about. Being successful or, early on is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a blessing in that, like, I think I will always have a career. Mm-hmm. It's a curse in that, like, I'm going to be playing I'll Catch You every night for the rest of my life. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah. But because I do the, like, when I play live, it's like, okay, here's a new song. Here's a new Am song. Here's a Get Up Kid song. Here's a new song. Here's a new, you know, like, <laughs> one for you, one for me. Right. And you, you've got, like, a backlog of songs that, you know, you can play a three or four hour set and be... I could. I won't. <laughs> but I, I heard could. Conley talking about playing, like, a four and a half hour set it's or something. he's fucking nuts. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. I, uh, I try the worst is when it. someone, like, is in the crowd yelling out a song that I literally don't know. Like yeah. uh, some of the songs on Guilt Show, we never played live, and it's like I'm not gonna relearn them now just because. Right. Know, but uh, you know, for the most part, yeah, there's probably a hundred songs I could play. Maybe not well. <laughs> so speaking of the success of Get Up Kids, mm-hmm. going back to this is another thing that I find incredibly fascinating that I always like whenever we play with, you know. a uh, one of our peers it's like the the question that i always have to ask and when when get up kids were first kind of breaking through like was there one single pivotal like moment that like that was it it was that one thing that made that took you guys like from here to here people can't see me because this is in the video cast but like you know i'm raising my hand up higher uh or was it just persistence you know co- touring constantly touring it was a. It, it was this the latter. I mean, it. The, you could say there's a pivotal point. We were already. If the pivotal points being when our first record came out, and then when our second record came out, and we signed a Vagrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say those are pivotal points, but during that. Let's see, ninety six. So I guess a better way to phrase the question is for for like. Other musicians and bands who are are starting and are on that like pivotal peak point where it's like you could potentially make this something greater than it already is. What advice? Well, for what works for us was we from like nineteen ninety seven to nineteen to maybe two thousand and one, we were on tour like two hundred and fifty days a year. Right. Uh, and we had a good live show, and you know we would. <clears throat> Certainly, I don't. I don't know that if we had only been a good live band and didn't have those records out, if that would have been the case. But I think, to be completely honest, just philosophically, anything that's going to be like a pivotal, like this is your one chance, uh, is not going to have any longevity. Right. Even if it's like, like we've seen how many bands have you heard of that have like signed a big major label, or maybe not anymore. But like, it's like, oh, this is our chance. We're going to sign to Capital, and then it's like. Well, that lasted about six months, you know, right. and then you're just defeated. And I mean, we just—I I don't know that you have to go on tour that much. I don't—I don't really know what that scene is that's, like as much anymore. But you need yeah, to. Yeah, that's that's what to, I was going to ask. Well, you need to put in those hours, one way or the other. I mean, even right. if it's like, you know, making YouTube videos, and I mean, there's plenty of bands that have gotten big just from YouTube videos. Oh, yeah. You know? Or comedians, where it's just like, as you, and they go do shows, and it's like, f- as you've seen on YouTube, here's. <laughs> right. Here's the double rainbow guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about well, that. <laughs> he might tour. I don't know. I yeah. saw him on Jimmy Fallon or something, and I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, but that doesn't pay very well. <laughs> I can imagine. 
Well, that, and that's what I was going to say is in a climate like today, do you think, because I know you, you do stuff like stage it and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I have one tomorrow, actually. Yeah. S- assuming I'm not vomiting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in a climate like today, do you think that, because I know 10 years ago, it was, or 15 years ago, or even, you know, any, any time before probably the last five or six years, it was like, you need to go do your legwork, you need to go tour, you need to go, you well, know, buy a white van and tour the country <laughs> for 200 days. <laughs> I mean, people do that, like my buddy Allison Weiss, she does that, but she mm-hmm. also does, like, crowdfunding stuff, and she does uh, per- very personalized, you know, she does stage it, she does... All sorts of stuff, and it's like, but she's also ten years younger than me, you know. So yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, go hustle, man. You know, have a good time. But uh, I think that it, it comes down to to being persistent, and that might not be touring. I mean, I, there's definitely that's one way to do it, right? But it, it, I don't think in the age of the internet, I don't think it's the only way. At one point, right. it was the only way. Um, but you know what I found, and I actually wanted to ask you about this since you've been podcasting for so long. Mm-hmm. Do you make any money off this? No. Have you ever? No. Do you ever kind of have those moments where you're just like, why do I even bother fucking doing this? Yeah, all the time. <laughs> I, I see. I really don't make any money off of music either, though. So, well, that's what I, That's what I'm saying. That, like, I think that like that's the trick. Is that like uh, the same way? Like, keep doing the podcast. It's just sort of like keeping content out there you know what i mean and that's kind of how i feel about albums now too which is like i see them as like promotional material oh yeah to be like okay so i can get more web traffic and then maybe i'll have better shows because of that Mm -hmm. but uh i really had to retrain my brain about that yeah like when you were starting your podcast in 2004 i was full luddite i was like i don't want to do any of this shit (laughs) like that's when I started getting into like uh, farming and stuff because it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It's like, I want to do something simple. Yeah. And then I did, and it's real fucking hard work. <laughs> uh, well, oftentimes I, I like question myself because, you know, with the band, with Life in 24 Frames, with my band, it's, it's like all of us have day jobs. You know, we mm-hmm. all actually work. And, we do music, you know, music is more or less my outlet. You know, there's that stupid ass angel saying of like, it's cheaper than therapy, which it's not. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> because let me tell you, well, you know, funding a record is not cheap, but, no. um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's always been, you know, well now, now that the ball's rolling and we've got, we're working on our third album and, and you guys tour? You know, um, what we do is usually we don't full on tour. We'll hop on like dates with other bands. So like we did some dates with like Band of Horses and Caged Elephant and um, How do, you, do you have an agent? <clears throat> no, I do it all myself. Okay. That seems like it would be tricky to do you know those guys or is it just sort of I didn't at the time. I mean I do now. I just am constantly looking for um just constantly building new relationships with new people and see and, and that's the hard people. that's the hard work that's the hustle oh it's incredibly hard you know like yeah. you said persistence is is just it i mean i could sit and talk for like 3 hours on how the band of horses show came together because if you would have asked me 6 months prior would we ever play with band of horses i'd be like fuck no that's just would you know that's out of the cards that's like saying would you are you going to play with neil young uh, <laughs> for me at the time you know it was like uh, it was just persistence. Yeah. And well, that that's I've, the that's the key. That's the thing. Like, if I had to give advice about anything, like whatever it is that that you're doing, just do it persistently. Mm-hmm. And because I mean, you know, to a certain degree, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know. Yeah. There's a very fine line that you have to skate for being persistent and being a pest because if you lean too far over onto one side you end up being that pest and then nobody wants to talk to you yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it's like there's a fine line between being great and being annoying yeah exactly a very fine line and it's not straight either no so yeah it's that's how it's been for us and now it's to the point where we've kind of built up enough that I've kind of considered over the last couple of months, like maybe I don't want to do this myself anymore. 
you know, maybe it's time to get an agent. Maybe it's time to yeah, get a I mean, Yeah, I've been doing that lately with uh, like the business side of stuff because I yeah. have multiple LLCs in my name mm-hmm. and I got fucked by a couple of hmm, music industry people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say what they are, but uh, yeah. well, one was a business manager who like, she was in charge of all of our money, and she just disappeared off the face of the earth. Oh. And so for the last couple of years, I've just been like, fuck it. I'm doing everything myself. And yeah. now it's gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm spending more time doing like QuickBooks than I am writing. Yeah, right. And so I'm like, you know, I, I'm talking to a guy now. We just started talking to him last week, but it's like, okay, yeah, I'll pay you. Hundred bucks a month <laughs> to take care yeah. of shit. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I'm at too. Is to the point where I look and I'm like, we're working on a new record now. Matter of fact, next week we'll be in Tahoe for like a week doing demos. And I like I'm like, Tahoe. oh, Tahoe's so fantastic. It's a we got a cabin up there. I can't wait. But uh, fucking warm year round, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> we played a show. It, like, it might be chilly up there. We played a show at a casino in Tahoe. And found this great little uh, mom and pop like motel, and like the kind of oh, there's so many of those there. Yeah, but they're in good, so good. They're like in good condition and stuff. And so yeah, like, they are. We went out and like got in the hot tub, and it was like snowing around us. <laughs> yeah, the hot tub. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, it's fantastic. But I'm I'm at that point where it's like I I need to go spend a week on these songs. But that's a week I'm going to be away from like trying to reach out to people and trying to make connections and well, keeping the connections. From, it's going to be a week you're away from your kid. Uh, well, he's coming up for a few days. Okay. But um, it's like I, I'm at that point where because we've self-released all of our records. Uh-huh. And now we're kind How do you of, like – how's that going? Um, It's not bad. The first record we self-released just because it was, mm-hmm. you know, what else are we going to do? <laughs> Nobody's going to pay attention to us you know unless we're put in front of their face by you know five other people but the first record it was kind of a natural like uh we'll self-release we'll, we'll do tune core and that'd be great and it, mm-hmm. it did okay it was it was fun it was fine the second record we decided we started getting a little more um we started getting a little more publicity off of the single we put out for the second record. And so we kind of thought, well, maybe we'll like shop it a little bit. So we shopped it a little bit. And my experience was like the worst experience ever. And we, the record was done for like eight months, nine months, mm-hmm. 10 months, almost a year. And we had these labels that were like, we would love to work with you guys. Our release schedule is, you know, like this. And so just hold off for six months. And, and I just wanted people to hear the music. And so it finally got to a point where earlier this year, January or February, I just sat down with the guys. And I'm like, you know, I know we want to make this, this whole thing work and have somebody help us put this out. But fuck these guys, man. <laughs> Let's just put it up on TuneCore and be done with it. So yeah. we ended up doing that. And uh, it's been great so far. I mean, we we were able to turn around with the sales of, you know, with digital sales and stuff. We were able to turn around and press vinyl and release it on vinyl. And um, so it's been good. But now I'm going into this next album. It's like we're at scratch. So what do we do? Do we do some demos? Do we, you know, pitch it to these some of these labels? Because it, it would be nice to have help, you know, because... Most of the time, it's just notoriety. It's not that the label is necessarily helping you all that much, except mm-hmm. for, oh, here's a new band that's on that label that I like. I should check them out. Well, yeah. I mean, that's not it's, that's not a bad thing. No, it's not at all. But like, I, it's not it's not the be all end all. Yeah. Of stuff. Because the offers that we got for this last album were. I don't know. This is my first forte into that sort of thing, and they seem rather insulting to me. And so I was like, um, no, no. <laughs> I think we're just going to put it out ourselves and be okay with it. That's, wow. always, that's always the case, honestly. Like when we were, uh, I guess it was Four Minute Mile came out in 1997, mm-hmm. and we were touring, 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 and <clears throat> we met this guy, Jason, who is still a friend and, and 
business associate, but more of a friend. And he was uh, working for Sub Pop, and he tried to sign us to Sub Pop. And Sub Pop actually offered us less money than Doghouse did for our first record. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? (laughs) like, Yeah. It's like, you know, Sub Pop is actually one of the labels, not to, I don't want to badmouth anybody, because I didn't have any horrible experiences, but yeah, it's like... Oh, it wasn't a bad experience. It was just sort of a like, but we still have, we can't, we want to have more money to make the next record. Right. We want it to be better than that one. And then the other thing we kind of ran into was like these labels, some of these labels were like, oh yeah, we'd love to put the record out for you. We want 100% uh, digital rights. And that's not uncommon. Yeah, I, which for me, I've never dealt with it, but it was kind of like, wait, what? Wait, 100%? And I was like, well, but then, you know, that's the way the they're making any money, you know? Yeah. And then I thought, well, that, I, I was talking to the label and I was like, well, that'll, I guess, give us the opportunity to, you know, start on our next recording. And they're like, oh, well, we don't pay for recordings. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I don't know if that's common or not, too, but I thought, oh, I so you want to take 100% the of our. Totally different now. Yeah, uh, and so how are we supposed to turn around and make another record if you're taking 100 percent of the digital? I, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose so. <laughs> or crowdfunding. Oh, is that too? Although that's uh, that's starting to get a bad rap. <laughs> it is getting a really bad rap. That's what I was going to ask you about because you crowdsourced your. I did a record. Not did the a, last record, but the record before. Yeah, right? I did a Kickstarter for that. Yeah. How was your experience with that? Uh, overwhelmingly positive. I, I raised like two and a half times what I wanted, but I drastically underestimated how many international orders I was going to get. And uh, That's what we did with our vinyl. <laughs> yeah, and then also uh, like I had these like nice screened posters, and then I was like, fuck, these are on cardstock. I can't roll them up. So I had to buy like big flats to ship them in, and it just... So I ended up actually, eh, I wouldn't. I guess I broke even on it, yeah. Which is good because if I had only raised what I originally asked for, it would have been fucked. Yeah. Um. But I think it's cool, and I've had conversations with, uh, honestly, even some of the other Get Up Kids guys who think it sounds like begging, and I'm like, eh, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's not begging; it's connecting with people. Right. You know what I mean? Like they want to help you. They want to support what you do. They if all you did was put out records, then that's they would buy them, but this is giving them a chance to support you as an artist in a way that's never really been an option before. Right. So I mean, I don't know. I kind of I, I don't want to like assume too much of people. You know what I mean? Like I try to right. be tasteful about it, but that's that's kind of the the hang up that we're on now too is we're thinking well you know we we put a lot of the capital from the digital sales back into this last record to do vinyl mm-hmm. and then again you know it was like pre-order the vinyl five dollars shipping and then we had international orders and it was like oh shit mm-hmm. getting this record to the UK getting the records to Canada was it's- actually fairly expensive yeah. And, and you have to do all that fucking paperwork, too. Well, and, you know, we had a bunch of them get held up in customs. And Oh, you got to put them just, down as, like, gifts. Oh, man. Huh. We, While we I was had talking one, to you, I just got an email that said someone ordered a downright song for me. <laughs> so I'm making money while doing your podcast. Bam. Done. <laughs> but uh, I got to go, that, in a f- I gotta go in a few minutes. I got to pick my kids up from school. But Sure, sure, sure. But, um... Yeah, that's that's the thing with like crowdsourcing. I, we thought about crowd doing like a Kickstarter for this next record, but then you know I talked to peers and friends and stuff, and half of them are like, "Yeah, do it. It's a great thing." And then the other half are like, "Fuck that. It's begging. You you don't ask people to pay. F- you know, help pay for creating your music." And it's like, but you I think kinda- that's I think that's a very a very old school music industry way to think. To be completely honest, like I think the modern model if you're going to be a successful independent musician is to you're not like standoffish from your fans you're not like above your fans you're right connecting with them all the time you know like you're you're personally answering every facebook question you're 
excuse me, I had to burp again. <laughs> you're just, you're, issues, man. you're interacting with people. And right. I, I come from probably the last generation of, of bands that could be like, but that that's fucked up too, because like, to be completely honest, that's how I started. Like we were playing in basements, staying on people's floors. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's, this is just the internet equivalent of that. It's the same thing as like, you know, like, hey, will you be in my zine? And it's like, no, will you be on my podcast? It's just the same sort of thing. It just has right. evolved into different names and different formats. But, like, for, you know, there was a point, and this is, like, in 2004, where it's, like, we were big enough that it was, like, we had to have security. And so, like, we would, I would never go to the merch table after a show. You know, I'd get mobbed, but I do it every single fucking show now. And it's like, yeah, you want a picture? Sure, take a picture. I'm sweaty and gross, but it's your, you know, <laughs> your clothes. Right. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing. It's because I've been around music obviously since the late '90s. Been doing music since like, well, with my break with film school and whatnot. But so the landscape has changed so much. But you got to just evolve with it. Yeah, and it's that kind of thing where you you question the new things that are coming in. You know, like Kickstarter. I I would really like to do something like that but at the same time you know you got so many people that because you do have other you know when if a band like nickelback goes on it as a kickstarter it's like insulting kind of you know depends on what they're trying to do right i I mean mean, and what they're offering as as a return because to a certain degree what you're doing is you're doing a pre-order yeah and that's where i try and explain to a lot of these people that kind of have a negative outlook on it it's that's essentially what you're doing you're not People aren't investing in or or you know co-oping in what you're doing with, with against their will. They're they're getting they're doing it because they want your music or they want your film or they want your game, and they will well, get that and in that's return. A, that's the thing, and this is this is probably the last thing I can say because I gotta go. But you're in the fucking entertainment industry, right? You know that guy who's on the street corner playing uh, Neil Young songs for tips. Is doing the same fucking thing that you're doing. You're just if if people like what you do, they want to support you, right? And as long as you don't abuse that privilege, then there's nothing wrong with that, right? So that's my take on it. Uh, but unfortunately, there are people who do abuse it, or just ask for something that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, or never yield any results, which is terrible. Like I would love if I could like kickstart enough for someone to so I could get an RV because I love RV touring. Right. I can actually cook my own meals and shit, but I just don't feel right doing it. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, it's like, why do you need an RV? You don't even tour that much. <laughs> like, but I just really like RVs. Yeah. I want to go ki- take my kids camping. But no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but hey, I got to go. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you got to get the kids from school. I appreciate you uh, talking to me, man. Yeah, man, anytime. So yeah. I, have, I have one quick question okay. last for you. Is New Amsterdam's, is the moniker done? Yes. It is. I've just kind of retired the name. Okay. I'm trying to have everything. It's a strictly business decision. I'm trying to have everything that I can under my name so that it's like if you Google me, it's like, oh, there's a podcast. Oh, there's a record. Oh, there's a – it's not – I tried it for a while where I had Get Up Kids, New Ams, Terrible Twos, like all this other shit, and like no one knew what it was. And it, right. didn't, it totally backfired. So I'm streamlining the operation. <laughs> well, I look forward to the new Matt Pryor record. Right on, man. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with me, man. Absolutely. I'll send you All these right. files, buddy. Cool. Talk to you later. Cheers. Really in a tryst if a heart don't break. You're just here to occupy time and space. It isn't an affair if nobody cares. Your lovers who have lost your cause. After this is over, give him back his shirt And he'll just ring it out when he gets back to work Her husband may have learned it's no concern So I guess you guys have got it made Over the hill, but you justify it still You must think this is the thrill to end all Lovers, you can't be friends At least then the attraction is genuine Maybe it's the baggage that turns you on Now that all the danger's gone After this is over, go back to your house You don't have a single thing to talk about Maybe for the best if it's just the sex As long as you don't have to speak 
sort of fair I don't think anybody cares And the both of you would swear There's no fire This doesn't last Then you'll both look back and laugh At the moment in your past That made you liars You won't be back She isn't gonna take it like a heart attack You can rest assured You're both so bored There won't be any drama, kid Then when you were summoned to your denizen She would drop the hammer that did you in There's another bow, you'll have to go I guess she'll kick you to the skids Sooner or late You knew you were tempting fate If you saw the heart so great You may fall Maybe the first to say, though this probably hurt, it will hardly be the worst day of them all. Tell me what you learned then from this. Love can be just too damn dangerous. And even though you thought you'd be the one, she beat you to the punch, and now you've got to run. Beat you to the punch, and now you've got to run. She beat you to the punch, and now you've got to run. Now you've got to run.